Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. All right, well, welcome into another edition of the Rising Champions podcast. I'm Kyle Bogey, of course, Dr. Jason Novetsky with us as well. And uh, always an exciting episode when we get to talk to a golfer, and particularly a golfer who's a heck of a lot better than us. Uh, really looking forward to uh, this interview. I-, I thought it was a great conversation. There's so many different facets on and off the course that I think we can dive into, Doc. So we'll get to uh, Sody Michaelos, uh, incredible golfer at Albion uh, in just a couple of minutes. But mm-hmm. Doc, I know you were watching the PGA Championship uh, on Sunday, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I came home from my round uh, Sunday morning and sat in front of the TV until eight or nine o'clock at night last night. It was great. See, I don't know about you, but I could get used to the primetime golf. You know, yes. it's Sunday morning, able to play a nice little, you know, 10 a.m. round have some lunch. And then by the time you get home, the last groups are, are teeing off. It was a awesome. beautiful thing. Absolutely. I, I don't think I left my couch for hours. It was great. It was great. incredible. So and many guys have, taking the that, lead. That's, that's the thing. The leaderboard was just absolutely stacked heading into the day. And it just kept progressively building, you know, in that final round to the point where you had no idea, you know, who was going to rise up and take it, but you knew somebody was going to have to take it. And it was, Morikawa on 14, I believe, chipping in for birdie. And and then 16, that short par four, Mm. that unbelievable fade to seven feet. In in a situation like that, it was going to have to be some miracle shots, some unbelievable golf that was going to be able to separate from that group because everyone was playing so well. I thought for sure we were going into like a five-man playoff. And they were (laughs) saying that they were going to put them all in one group too. And I was looking forward to seeing five or six guys in one tee box and all the balls all over the green. I thought that was going to be very interesting. But man, he stepped up to that number 16 and pulled driver. And I was thinking at that point, man, don't you think maybe you want to lay up to a comfortable yardage and stick a wedge and make a birdie? But he faded it around that tree and landed it perfectly and rolled right up. And that it was game over. Well, you know, the, the thing about youth is you don't even care what consequences, yeah. you know, maybe you just, you know what, screw it. You know, when are you going to be competing at that point in a major championship again? You know, and I'm sure he had the confidence to think I'll be here for many years to come, but I love the fact that you just step up and try to take advantage and try and win it at 23 instead of, you know, some guys go an entire career without winning a major. That's right. There's how many guys are the best guys never to win a major, right? You don't want to be in that category. And he's done with that. He's put that to bed really quick. Uh, I thought it was great. Yeah. He stepped up with all the extreme confidence and he had some advantages too. He played that course many times, you know, he went to Cal and Mm -hmm. uh, so he had played in that San Francisco area. And I thought it was a great course. What a great place for for a major as well. The uh, I'm with you. And I love the fact that, you know, literally what probably, you know, today you can go play. And I think it's like a little over a hundred bucks. It's not even yeah, that, that expensive. Yeah. I love it when they do that. Awesome. Yeah. Like Beth page black. Yeah. It, it really is cool. Uh, and a great episode on everybody loves Raymond about Beth played Beth page black. If you've never seen it. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, the PJ championship, I think the most surprising thing that happened on Sunday was Brooks Kapka. I, I just, yeah. you know, in, it was his quote a little bit over the top, probably a little bit too insulting. Sure. You know, I mean, Dustin Johnson's been on the tour a long time. He's been very good, even though he's only won one major, 
But as Rory McIlroy said, he's won 21 times, which is three yeah. times what Brooks has won. And yeah. not to mention insulting all the other guys by saying, you know, I don't even know who the other guys are at the top. And then yeah. Brooks goes out and fires, I think, a four over yeah, 74. Yeah. It just never in it. You didn't see him on the broadcast for like the last mm-hmm. three hours. It was very un-Brooks-like, I'll say that. Yeah, I mean... I get what he's trying to do and, and that's just his attitude. You know, he, he has that, I don't give a crap attitude and it is what it is kind of approach to golf. But I feel like lately he's, he's spending a lot more energy on other people, like his little mini humorous feud with Bryson. And now he's <laughs> trying to rip on DJ who probably didn't even notice. Honestly, DJ's so carefree, but I just think he needs to start focusing on himself more at this point. Yeah, I would agree. It honestly, you know, and I'm I'm with you. I think it is about he wants to make sure that people know that golf isn't everything to him. You know, yeah. ah, just let it slide up your shoulder. But at the same time, people do want to know that you're really dialed in and you do care and you know you are into it. And I, I think he plays into you know people that would say that about him. But you know, it is what it is. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be around a long time. Makes great theater for all of us. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why we're talking about it right now. Uh, We got a great interview um, with a golfer who I don't think would do what, uh, what Brooks did over the weekend, uh, you know, at the PGA championship, Uh, looking forward to this conversation. He is, you can tell just in the brief conversation we were able to have with him, uh, an incredible young man. And that is Soti Michaelos, a uh, golfer at Albion and Doc, you've known him since he was in high school. Yep. You started working with him and it, it's been, you know, I, I think um, a little bit of an arc, you know, over the last several years for him being able to manage things mentally in golf mm-hmm. and also in life. Yeah. You're going to hear some incredible stories uh, from Sodi. He came to me, like you said, in high school, uh, he knew he needed to develop the mental side of the game. He was a little uh, late bloomer to golf, uh, but he clearly had some skills but he wanted to kind of put it all together. He started to understand that it wasn't just about the swing and the shots. It was about managing your emotions and, and focusing on what's important. And he's, as he talks about the things he can control. And that turns out to be a major theme, not just on the golf course, but in his life, as you're going to find out. Yeah. And one thing that, that struck me, and we've talked about this a few times um, on the podcast and just, you know, I think in conversation while we're on the course, but you know, the, the ever evolving game of golf and, you know, guys really taking care of their bodies and becoming more of, you know, the athlete as opposed to just, you know, guy who's just going to go out there and, you know, play some golf recreationally. And he really has taken that seriously over the last couple of years as well. Yeah. He really has transformed his body um, in addition to his mind. And he's going to talk about the type of workouts that uh, he's been involved with and the trainers that have really helped him along the way, which has had a significant impact uh, on his performance uh, um, on the course. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, we'll uh, get it over to that interview. Um, A really good conversation. And uh, I would say, Wait till the end, uh, because, uh, wait for it really. Yeah. He, he, he dives into, um, you know, something that I think a lot of people can relate to, uh, or at least just admire his strength, I think, and mental toughness, uh, with what went on on with him. So, uh, Sody Michaelos, uh, Albion golfer, he joins us here on the rising champions podcast next. 
So as we alluded to, uh, another golfer is going to join the program. Although I think uh, Sody Michaelos would kick our butt, uh, Doc, if we actually went out and played around with him. Uh, Albion sure. golfer uh, Sody is here with us, and uh, really excited about this. Now, Doc, I know you have a lot uh, that that you want to kind of dive into, but right out of the gate, it's a very important question. Okay, really important stuff. Sunday's final round, the PGA Championship, the short par four, Colin Morikawa stuffs it to seven feet. Did you see it? What were your thoughts? And would you have hit the same shot? <laughs> Personally, uh, probably under those circumstances, I would close my <laughs> eyes and try and hit the shot. I'd be freaked out of my mind. Um, but hitting it to seven feet, I mean, uh, I definitely have done that plenty of times. And uh, seeing his reaction when he pulled it just a hair, I knew his heart had probably skipped a beat for a second. Oh, yeah. Now, now, real quick along those lines, can you remember, is there a shot that just comes directly to your mind right now when I say, okay, is there one shot that just stands out from your golf career so far that you still think back and just go, wow, I can't believe I did that? Yep. Uh, 18, 18th hole at Naples National in Florida. I'm playing in a, in a fun little match against Fuzzy Zeller. Um, this is my first year in college. And he had uh, pressed on the 18th hole because I was up and he hit it to about a foot on this par five It's about this approach out hundred yards out over the water. And I stuck it to six inches and uh, <laughs> ended up tying him on the hole with a birdie and ended up winning the match. And uh, I mean, he was jaw dropped and to have a past masters champ jaw drop over my wedge shot was pretty insane. Wow. Awesome. What a great story. Great story. Well, Sody, we're so excited to have you uh, on the Rising Champions podcast. And you and I have known each other now, geez, I don't know, six years maybe? Yeah, going on six or seven years. Yeah, right? yeah. So Sody and I met when he was in high school at U of D Jesuit uh, in Detroit. And Sody, why don't you tell us what were some of the reasons that inspired you to come and start working on the mental game? Yeah. So I was at a point in my golf career where I'd started kind of late compared to everyone else. Um, and I wasn't quite there yet with my technique and it, it had set me back compared to the other guys that I was competing with, not only within U of D, but within the MHSAA. And I knew that I needed something else to set me aside from everyone else. And I was talking with my dad and I had a super bad tryout experience my junior year. And that's when we decided we need to enlist the help of uh, a mental coach. And that's where we found uh, Dr. Novetsky. Mm -hmm. And what were some of the big ticket items, so to speak, that you remember that we jumped on right away that started you on the right trajectory? It was definitely focusing on things that were under my control. So mm -hmm. for a big part of my, at that point, two and a half years of golfing, um, I realized that a lot of what I was focusing on was out of my control. It was other people. It was conditions of the course I was playing. It was the difficulty of the course, who was watching me. And then I realized I actually was not focusing on myself and the task at hand. So that, that's, that's immediately what we jumped on. And that's what actually sparked probably this six or seven year journey of just an up, uphill climb that, uh, that's been very successful. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. How much have, have you yourself noticed, I guess, and you know, I know you're trying to block it out now, but the, the higher the stakes get, the bigger the tournament, you know, the, the bigger the competition level, the more people are going to be out there, more people that are going to be interested. And, you know, I, I'm fascinated. And I saw a few takes about the PGA championship um, just the other day going, well, there wasn't a crowd there. So there wasn't much pressure on, on Colin Morikawa. You know, maybe it would have been different, you know, if there was all that pressure. 
I, I guess how much do you notice that and how much does it change the, the thought process, even though you're trying to work away from it? Right. Um, actually, over the years, it's shifted my view on um, spectators. So for a while, it used to be they used to set the pressure. You know, I always was concerned about what they were thinking. And as I've gotten into college golf and as I've gotten more experienced, it's more so my own pressure now. The people are just the, like, I don't really pay attention to them. They're not really a factor anymore. I'm sure as the crowds get bigger, and if I were to ever play on the PGA Tour, definitely, <laughs> it, it would be a factor. But right now, it's more so the pressure I set on myself. You know, I want to achieve certain goals, and that pressure really, you know, becomes intense as I get closer and closer. So the people at this point in my golf career really don't, um, really don't play a factor. Sony, what have you noticed about the difference between high school, uh, junior golf, and college golf? What has been the biggest uh, impact? Um, definitely right off the bat, it was skill level. So freshman year, I kind of entered this new kind of community of golfers that I wasn't really ready for. Um, in high school, it was half the guys were there for enjoyment. Half of them were there to actually golf and compete. At this level, everyone's there to compete. I mean, everyone's got the same skill level. Everyone hits the drive straight down the center. Everyone's 300 plus yards. Everyone's hitting the green most of the time. So it's just like, there's a different edge right there. Um, and for a while, it took me a second to adjust. I, I wasn't ready for every single person that I faced to be doing the same exact thing or better than what I was doing. And um, so for a while, there, that, that was the biggest difference was skill level. But I also realized it's, it's also on the mental side too, I notice a huge difference. Um, a lot less guys are having like these tantrums on the golf course a lot, you know, they're being way more reserved. Um, and I think that just comes with, you know, like I said, the increase in uh, commitment when you jump from high school, junior golf to a uh, college. Okay. Was there any of that with you? The, the having to control the emotions, mm -hmm. maybe, uh, throwing a club like uh, amateurs like myself might do every once in a while or no. Um, I'll, I'll say before I met Dr. Novetsky, yes. Uh, <laughs> once every like month I started working on a lot of stuff for the most part, it'll be this internal quick 10, 15 seconds. And then we have this drill that I do where I pick up a piece of grass. I just watch it, uh, go with the wind as I release it from my fingers. And it's kind of like, I let all my emotions go with that. And I've actually relied on that to this day. Wow. I remember us talking about that and some other golfers we've had on Kyle have mentioned that same strategy uh, that mm -hmm. they use. One story that I remember when we worked together was, you know, for a lack of a better uh, word is we found your happy place, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Talk to me, talk to us about that story and, and what we developed to allow you to just relax and refocus. Yeah. So, um, actually interesting enough over the past couple of months, I've talked a lot about happy places. So <laughs> I think the one we, we talked about was being in Florida. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So there's an interesting, uh, drink. It's actually orange Gatorade that I remember drinking specifically every time I go off Naples national, um, with my grandpa or anyone really at this point, uh, it's just a great memory. And literally I could be shooting 110, 120, 150. If I'm just the taste of orange Gatorade, or yellow Gatorade and just being out in Naples national, just that's my happy spot right there. Yeah. So what we did is we created that space in your mind, so to speak, when things weren't going your way was just to kind of take a few deep breaths and kind of imagine yourself into that place where you're calm and secure. And that was a way for you to bring things back to the present moment. 100%. And actually that's what I often rely on a lot 
inside of golf and outside of golf today. Like it's, it's not necessarily remembering that specific spot, but it's that feeling of being calm. So what I like is over the years working with Dr. Novetsky, I've been able to identify that feeling of relaxation. And then as I've worked on it, you know, the first couple of years, I've been able to get into that feeling a lot quicker, a lot sooner than I had been in the past. And now it's just like a switch. It's automatic. Yeah. Just good practice. Yep. So Kyle, I know you're interested in this and, and what went on this weekend at the PGA and the rift between Brooks and, and all the other guys. <laughs> I knew you were going to talk about it. Of course. <laughs> so yeah. so I'm, I'm curious from Sodi's point of view, you know, when he sees it out at the college game and when he watches it on TV, what are your thoughts about these mental jabs that these guys are taking at each other? I mean, I personally, luckily, I'll say I haven't been involved in terms of a lot of mental jazz at the college level, at least not as upscale as they've been on tour, especially around major championship time. Mm -hmm. um, at the college level, it's much more like we know it gets under people's skin and, you know, you'll say a quick jab, but then, you know, your buddies right after it. Uh, seeing what they're doing, it's just, it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, you guys definitely are there for a reason. So they, they can for sure handle it. Um, but you know, they're really, sometimes they're, they're pushing blind occasion. I think it, it's, uh, it's, I mean, Hey, they're professional athletes and, and they're always, yeah. they're, they're with each other week by week. So I'm sure, you know, it's all fun and games. Well, and see, you know, as somebody who loves this stuff, and I think golf needs a little bit more of this stuff, you know, as long as it, uh, you know, stays above board. I, I know what Brooks was trying to do. He, he was trying to get in these guys' heads to the point where they were worried about what he was doing, or I'm going to beat this guy, or I'm going to, you know, send a message or something like that so that they were more focused on his quote than they were on, you know, going out there and trying to win. Yeah. It just... I think it backfired big time. <laughs> I think the funny thing too is here's a guy that won that probably that quote wasn't even directed towards. And he probably wasn't even thinking about Brooks one minute of the day, you know? <laughs> and here's a guy that just went out here and all of a sudden each tournament that goes by, he's more and more of an X factor every time. Yeah. You know, he's going to be mm -hmm. very quickly. He's come next season. He's going to be a guy that Brooks is saying like, you know, he's going to start taking jabs at Colin because he's going to feel yeah. So that's right. Well, Sodi, in addition to the mental work that you've done, you've done a lot of physical work too. So yeah. I think it's important that we give it's just to talk about the, the physical training and um, the, the type of work that you do. Cause you did some very golf specific workouts. Yes. Um, so I was lucky enough to uh, meet originally I was with Nate Furlong, um, who's a golf specific trainer. Um, originally he was based inside of the same, indoor facility that I use for golf. Um, but around my junior year, I had switched trainers to, uh, Graham at Omnikinetics, um, Graham Polikoff. And, uh, boy, I mean, the work that we did for probably a good four years now, um, consisted of, I mean, in high school, I was in the gym every morning, probably five 30, right before classes, I'd get a good hour in and then head to school. But even now when I come home over the summer, it's, you know, usually it's every morning, five 36 AM, good hour and a half of just golf specific stuff. And I've put on probably a good 40 pounds in the past four years of muscle wow. and just, Oh, uh, speed wise too. I mean, my average swing speed with the drivers now 114 is like my average go-to. So hmm. to get that high, to be like a, you know, comfortable go-to speed. I mean, all the credit goes to Graham, the workouts that he puts me through every day. Um, I walk in, they're up on the board and I just get them done and get in, get out and come back the next day. That's the policy. 
40 pounds the last couple of years, we're going to have to start calling you Bryson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think when I, when I went to college, I was, I was around 165 ish and I came back, uh, when I came back for the break for the virus, I was uh 202. So. Wow. Wow. Has, has it, uh, has it amazed you how much the game has changed? Just, you know, having to be in shape, all these workouts, I mean, Rory and the Peloton and challenging guys and all that, that these guys really are tremendous athletes now. No, a hundred percent. They are. And I think it's what golf kind of needs going forward because everything seems to be changing for the better, right? Everything keeps advancing. Uh, different forms of sciences are looking at different things in athletics. And I think golf is one of those things that actually, if you break it down, it's one of the most complex moves that you can make as a human being. So, you know, you put the body under a lot of stress and um, a lot of torque and you need to be physically fit to do it. I think that's, that's where uh, golf is going. So that's a great transition into the story that I want to get to because it has to do with your physical health. So while Sodi and I were preparing for this interview last week and talking about things, and he asked me if it would be okay to bring up a uh, really serious uh, situation that he was involved with recently and how his physical and mental training got him through this. So Sodi, I'm going to turn it over to you. And I think this is a remarkable story. All right. Um, So we just finished the golf season in October of last year and um, everything was as normal. You know, typically right at the end of the season, I'll take a good month off, uh, give give my body some rest, give my mind some rest and have a little fun as a college kid. And this was uh, November 13th. I woke up at um, four or five in the morning with like a really sharp pain in the lower left base of my back. Um, And I didn't think anything much of it really texted my mom because I'm always an anxious guy. I was like, you know, kind of kind of feels off and feels somewhat like a heart attack because it was reaching up towards my shoulder blade. And she gave me the typical mom response, you know, you're fine. Uh, take some Motrin, go back to bed. And I woke up the next day, uh, you know, that morning and went through my entire day um, with the pain and it got worse progressively. So the next morning I woke up, same pain at 4.30 in the morning. I just texted her, I'm going to the hospital. Well, I arrived and heart rate was 155. Potassium was low enough to be a heart attack. Um, so they got me back there. They gave me potassium supplements to put me through every test. And they took a CAT scan. And it was the first time that a doctor said that he's given more than one CAT scan in 10 minutes. Uh, they got me right back in there, did another one. And they found out that I had multiple pulmonary embolisms in my lungs. So those are blood clots in the lungs. Um, And I had a couple in my right uh, leg as well. So freaking out, I was up at school by myself and mind you, my phone was dead. So I couldn't really text anyone right now. And uh, just found out that basically it was kind of like a near death sentence. I didn't know what was happening. The doctor said, is this gonna kill you like right now? Necessarily not if we get you on blood thinners right away, we just have to get it under control. So they put me on a prescription strength blood thinner through my IV. And I had sat there and I kind of realized to myself, wow, this is the first time in my life I'm being faced with something that's like bigger than anything I could ever care about. Um, but the, the, the drug, the blood thinner had made me kind of loopy. Um, and so they transferred me to uh, Beaumont Royal Oak where my parents were, but didn't really see my parents. I got there and I was bombarded with a ton of doctors. Um, and I realized right then and there when the doctors had started bringing up things like cancer and, you know, different blood infections because a 20 year old having 
blood clots, multiple in their lungs and legs doesn't really make sense if they appear to be healthy. Um, when they started bringing those things up right then and there, I kind of knew that this is the first time where my mental training on the course can apply to my physical health. And I realized that I had nothing, no control whatsoever over the outcome of any test that was going to happen in the next two to three days, whether it be the amount of, um, CAT scans that I went through, <clears throat> the amount of ultrasounds, the amount of um, cardiac exams that I went through, the different amount of blood work every two hours, nothing was in my control. Um, left the hospital with a prescription strength blood thinner, and which I'm still on today, but I had traveled back and forth from school for the next three weeks, getting different CAT scan done, CAT scans done, different blood work has been done, and uh, they still had not identified what was wrong. And continually throughout that entire process, I realized that the only thing I could control was myself, what I was thinking, what I was doing. And that's when I realized everything that I had worked on with Dr. Novetsky as a sophomore, junior in high school had its purpose because it paid off in probably one of the most scariest experiences of my life. And throughout that process, I knew that if I take my blood thinners, I'm doing my part physically. And if I focus on what makes me happy the next three weeks, I'll do my, my part mentally and I'll be okay. And it turns out lo and behold, that all I had was a clotting disorder that was genetic. That was never uh, wow. located throughout mm. my entire life. So, but through that whole experience, all I had to do was focus on myself, focus at what, what was under my control. And that's what I realized. And had I focused what was out of my control, like, you know, had I been searching up all these different types of cancers, blood infections, blood diseases, I, I would have drove, driven myself up a wall, probably had some short-term term depression. You know, who knows what would have happened. I, I hear stories all the time about people who have these crisis experiences. So Yeah, you would have been much more anxious. And oh, mm -hmm. I, probably knowing myself, I would have had a full-on mental breakdown. So yeah. um, because, like I said, I, I had to go back to school. Um, yeah, it's finals time. I had to study mm, um, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, had to finish my junior year, uh, research project for psychology and I just didn't know. I knew at that point that if I wanted to, you know, live as normal of a life as I could with what was going on, I had to focus on what I could do, what was under my control. And that was, you know, taking my medicine, um, being happy and getting my schoolwork done. Just That's taking it one day at a time. Yep. Yeah. That's wow. what I'm every day from this point forward, I'm still on the blood thinner. I'll be on it at least for the next three years slash possibly for the rest of my life. Um, and there's things that come, come with that, but I realized that, you know, I just, at this point, take it one day at a time, do my job, do what I can do and all the other stuff that's out of my control, it'll fall into place. Whether or not it's, you know, in my favor, I'll accept that. What a story. And I'll, I'll bet you gained a, a greater appreciation yeah. and gratitude for life based on that experience. Yep. yep. And, and all it took was really, I just had to accept that I didn't have control. And the minute I accepted that, I just did what I normally did with Dr. Novetsky. Hmm. Well, I, I, I got to believe to a lesser extent too, now on the golf course, I mean, Oh. Be as aggressive as you want. You, you know, you never know when your last swing is or, you know, I, I don't know. It might be a little deep, but <laughs> if you be aggressive. If you ask my swing coaches, actually, um, this is this, this summer, I've played more rounds of golf than I ever have any other summer combined uh, because I just, I play every day. I, 
before it was like, I used to do these like 10 hour training days that were really, really intense. But like I, some days I wouldn't really play, but you know, it, we had a big gap between season to season in college. And so it was like, you know, besides the state tournaments, I didn't really play that much. And so this summer I've taken advantage and, you know, every day I try and play, find a different course. Even if I'm playing the same course, my home course all the time, it's still play with different people all the time, make the most out of what I got left. Yeah. Wow. So it's a great story. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, for you, I guess, um, next steps, you know, moving forward. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of deciding right now between if I want to pursue golf as, as a player, if I want to pursue it as a coach, or if I potentially want to pursue the psychology part of uh, sports in general. So those are my three options. Don't know really what direction I'm going to go in yet. A lot of it has to do with what, uh, what I produce on the course the next two years. And then obviously financial situations, but, um, I'm headed most likely towards coaching slash psychology. Well, well, you'll be I a welcome doc- addition to the field. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, if, you, if you're in need of an intern, maybe at some point, uh, here, here you go. <laughs> yeah. He's already awesome. done his interview. That's for sure. Yeah. Pass. Yeah. Pass. That's right. For sure. Well, uh, great conversation. We, uh, we really appreciate you, you know, joining us and obviously sharing a really emotional story like that. I'm glad everything is, worked out, you know, for the positive and uh, it's unbelievable mentality, you know, to kind of take on and off the course, um, you know, out of that situation. So we appreciate it. And, uh, obviously can we follow you on your socials and continue to to monitor your journey? 100% go right ahead. Yep. Well, what's your, what are your handles? Yeah. Let me, I, I don't even know my handles. (laughs) (laughs) Got to follow this journey. Yeah. Instagram is going to be Sody 99 and then, Facebook's going to be Sody Michaelos, and those are the two that I have. Awesome. All right. Great. Thank you so much for coming on, Sody. Really appreciate it. Great catching up with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Boom. Wow. That was great. Great job, bud. Yeah. Smooth. Smooth as your swing. (laughs) (laughs) It's in there. It's it's there. (laughs) I've seen videos. (laughs) Let's get them out to Red Run. Absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be fun. He would tear it up. (laughs) Awesome. All right, Sody. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Tell your parents I said hello. I will. And we'll have to get together before. When you go, are you going back to school or are you going to be online? So we're going back up to school. We're doing the small school thing where everyone gets tested once every two weeks. Um, So I I head back up the 21st and then I can't come home until Thanksgiving. So. Gotcha. Wow. Now, did, are you still playing or did the D3 cancel everything for the fall? Canceled. Um, but yeah. my plan is mm. to play as many publics events as I can uh, this fall. Oh, good for you. Sure. Three or four Smart. left, so might as well get some competition in. Absolutely. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yep. All right, bud. Awesome. Thanks yep. for being yeah. on. Yeah, you can just uh, exit out of the meeting whenever you want. We're going to continue on a little bit. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, Sody. Good to see you. Great to meet you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.